This is my favorite intro music ever, and it's stock music that came on my roadcaster. Uh, how we doing, Cat? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. So this is our second attempt at cutting this uh, podcast for a review of our new fifth edition D and D game. Um, my, uh, I had some. Uh, uh, spouse interference with the first one where uh, she decided to blast the television on like 100 volume for whatever reason. But hey, good to talk to you again. How was your week? Good. Yeah. Um, we recorded so long ago that I've forgotten everything I said. So it's like nothing ever happened. Yeah. It would be all brand new for us. So uh, in looking for a, a title for this podcast, uh, we just came up with something kind of off the cuff the last time that we tried it. Yeah. Do you even remember what the title was? It was A Whole New World. A Whole New World. Okay, so how about this instead? Uh, I, was, I, told, uh, I told our DM, Teddy, that I was going to name it just Storm King's Thunder so that I could keep track of uh, which game was which. But then I decided that uh, we should either call it Teddy's Thunder uh-huh. or... My favorite would be Storm King's Teddy, which would be a completely different thing. <laughs> it would be a serious double entendre. What was the first one again? <laughs> Teddy's Thunder. Hmm. I like them both, honestly. All right. Well, you don't have a preference either way? No. Okay. I'm going with Storm King's Teddy. <laughs> okay. Uh, that'll be a visual people will not get out of their heads if they hear this podcast. So, yeah. So everybody, welcome to, uh, Storm King's Teddy. Um, so, uh, Kat and I have been playing, uh, D D together. We've known each other for what? Uh, I don't know. Is it getting on to four years now? It's been a while. It was definitely before COVID. Yeah. And, uh, we, so we, we, we kind of came together on a discord channel that was all about a, um, oh, what is it? Uh, girl X battle two. What is it? It's an idol battler. Right. Girl X battle two was the, was the specific game that everyone was playing at the time. And we ended up going to, uh, different different games, but, um, I would say that Dungeons and Dragons is the one that caught on the most. Uh, or is there any other, I know that they're doing a few video games on there. We had anime club for a while. Um, but is there any other, any other games on that discord that are still going on? Uh, I haven't paid attention, but I know they got Genshin on there. Um, I think they have Warzone. Um, I don't know what else they have. So, uh, and, and if anyone out there is ever interested, uh, let us know, and we can we can give you the Discord channel. It's pretty dead in there now, though. Yeah. Uh, since Girl X Battle Two kind of fell apart, uh, we're D and D is almost all that there is there. And but I would say I don't know about a year in, maybe you know six months or so. Uh, one of the leaders wanted to do Dungeons and Dragons. They had never run a game before and i've literally been playing since i was eight years old Uh, so uh, i didn't know fifth edition at all so i said if folks wanted to uh, play in a second edition campaign i'd be glad to run it and we've been doing that for 
uh, over two years now, right? Yeah, just about. Won't, won't this November be three years? Uh, I think close to it, yeah. We're getting close. Probably. So, yeah. Uh, problem is that we started with several characters, and really it's just uh, you and Roar now. So uh, it's it's even kind of petering out. But at the same time, we ran into a guy that was willing to run a 5th edition game for us, and you and I both play in that. And it's kind of been back and forth between my game and his game. You know, every Sunday we'll play D&D, but it's 2nd edition one Sunday, 5th edition the next, and so on. Uh, but we've been playing uh, Miku's game, the 5th edition game, for... How long? Year and a half, um, maybe. maybe is is it over a year we've been playing? It's got to be over a year. Okay, I'll buy it because um, I'm terrible with time. So uh, happens when you get ancient old. Uh, but yeah, probably has been a little over a year. So uh, and so we've been playing uh, fifth edition rules, getting exposed to them for uh, only about a year. So even though I'd played a lot of D and D. I'm still relatively new to fifth edition, but once again, we've, um, I, I've always said getting everyone together, especially cross continent, uh, to, for a regular D and D time, it's like herding cats. It just doesn't work out. Uh, so we're, we're to the point now where you, you and I show up to games on the regular. I mean, it's usually pretty rare for you to miss or for me to miss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly active. And, uh, essentially, you know, you, you carve time out of your, you carve time out of your day or your weekend, uh, to sit down with folks and then it gets canceled last minute. It's, uh, for me, it starts to get irritating after a while. I mean, I get it. You know, life's going to happen to you once in a while. People are going to miss for stuff, but when it becomes habitual, that's not just life intruding anymore. That's you're you're just not committing the time and right. you know if people don't want to play no problem there either just say hey i'm out and then go about your business but to, to commit to something and then not be there uh, i think it's just disrespectful of everybody else's time um so um and i think that you have fairly similar views on that yeah i mean it's it's the one thing i do a week that's constant and i look forward to it and when it gets canceled, it's it's just a bummer because you know it, it's it's something that you're you've you've like you said you've carved time out and you're willing to join and then all of a sudden it's just canceled and you're like oh okay well there kind of goes my event for the weekend right yeah and especially when you're you're looking forward to it the other part of it is with the way the games are interspersed if you miss one session. Like if we miss one session of Miku's game, it's a month between when we actually play. So uh, that and that makes it difficult too. You miss two sessions. You're six weeks in before you're six weeks between games, and what do you remember from the last session? Even you know you're forced to go back through notes, and so um, at the end of the day, I was. I asked you uh, if you were kind of getting sick of this, and I think that you were too. And you came up, you tried to come up with some uh, alternatives for us to like recruit new players and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, there was other people in the Discord that showed interest, and I reached out to them, but 
they just never really got back to me so i don't think to them it was like a priority or it was just probably like something like oh i have time now let me show interest and then that time disappeared and now their interest is gone as well yeah uh and and i get that you know it's a window of, of opportunity and we just missed it so so anyway, my after I looked around for a while, I ran across something new that you could actually hire game masters for running different games. And I kind of brought this up to you. And so what did you think of the idea when I first brought it to you? Uh, at, at first, I thought it was crazy because I never thought about the idea of hiring someone to do it. And I'm like, it's just. Like, I want to play D&D, but I'm like, do I want to play D&D that badly? I don't know. But, you know, after we sat down, talked about it, you know, browsed the website and, like, looked for DMs and everything, you know, I was coming around to the idea of it. Yeah, and so my my whole take on it is that if if you're paying someone for the service, you know, they're going to make it if they can because, you know, for them, it's they're out cash. And that was my whole thinking, at least when, when I got the, when I got this started. The other thing too, that I also thought was, yes, is it's an expense on a player's part, but I can't even go out to see a movie on my own, drive there, see the movie, grab popcorn, drinks, and come back for what I'm going to be spending for a four hour session of D&D. So I figure if my entertainment dollars are, are, um, going to this, I think that I'm doing pretty well with them. Um, now I admit that, you know, things are getting tighter and tighter for people, but, um, you know, gas prices, food prices, all that sort of thing. But still you, you got to have some sort of form of recreation in your life. And I think that this is a fairly cheap way to do it. What do you say? Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Um, there were certain DMs that I came across that were asking quite more than reasonable and I thought that was absurd but you know we found it we found a good middle ground that wasn't too expensive and it wasn't too cheap they got good experience in it um I've been talking with um Teddy a lot and he's very patient very helpful and informative and he just works really well with you yeah I agree with that and so anyway, when we finally decided to do this and we landed on, we wanted to get in on ground zero or at least session zero, um, because we hadn't had any, um, we'd played on roll 20 and we had voiced through discord because roll 20s voice chat really, really stinks. Um, but we didn't have a lot of experience. So I certainly didn't want to just jump into the middle of someone's campaign, even if they were only a few sessions in, because I would have missed, you know, all of the orientation in session zero. And I think that we were kind of the same mind for that. Yeah, especially if we were going to take it seriously, um, to just jump in with minimal experience on 5th edition and just jump into a session 20 sessions deep with pre-established characters already leveled. The world's already built out, you know, and then we're just coming in here. Herp to derp, like, here's two new players. I don't know how to do roll 20 all that well. Like I click buttons and yeah. it's 
<laughs> it, it was just better if we just kind of like started fresh. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is, you know, you get in on the ground floor with the players so that your characters are able to develop some rapport in the game. Um, so, all right. So, um, that's kind of how, what, what brought us to this in the first place. So, uh, let's talk about our DM for a second. Uh, like you said, I think Teddy's been real good so far. Any questions that we've had, he's gotten back with us real quick. Uh, we had to do like an open interview and I'd n- I've never in my life given an interview to join a game before. So that was a little odd for me. And I understand, you know, you got to make sure that you're going to get along with folks. Uh, but what did you think? I didn't think nothing of it at the time. He's just like, oh, interview just to get to know you. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's fine by me. Um, I mean, looking back on it, I can see where you would see that as a little weird and odd at first. But at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, he just wants to get to know. Sure, fine. Yeah, and I, I, like I said, I didn't have a, a, a problem doing it. It was just like, wow, I'm going through a interview process to play D and D. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, and I guess the I guess the more I looked at it, though, I'm like, you know, this is his business, right? So, uh, I guess it is kind of like a job interview. <laughs> um, so. And okay, so let's so let's talk about uh, the way that his game because we had session zero this past Sunday, mm-hmm. and I thought it was so. The first two hours really was just you know table rules, our expectations on us, what we needed to do if we had to miss a session, that kind of thing. Um, before we actually got into uh, the last two hours being gameplay, and so. Uh, getting past all of the first two hours, how did you think the last two hours went? I think it went well. A lot happened very quickly. Um, we had our introductions. Um, we got, um, we pretty much just started on one continent of, oh God, I can't remember the name. Oh, Corvair. We started on Corvair, um, and then we immediately left it to go to Zendrick. And, we it was just I think it was fine. Um we weren't supposed to stay in Covert very long, so that makes sense that we were just kinda like introduced, here's the party, here's the beginning area, get on the ship, go over here to Zendrick, and then we'll start the actual story, because the actual story is over here, not over there. Yeah, and so the this was actually a great hook, I thought. Uh, and I don't know if this was something that Teddy came up with or if this was part of the module Storm King's Thunder. I, uh, I would say that probably the module uh, had it in there because there were some descriptions that he read, unless he came up with those himself. Um, so the, the great part was that we were all going, we were all going to Stormreach for the same reason. You know, the, the giants are out of control. They've had a uh, an assassination of their queen, and mm-hmm. so they're like rising up against the small people. And the the city of Stormreach is hiring people to, you know, quell this and to to take care of things. So we're over there to kind of make our fortunes. And the way that our characters get introduced to one another is we get on the same ship bound for Stormreach which is, what was it, 11 days or so that we were on board? Yes, it was an 11-day ship ride 
from Sharn to Stormreach. Yeah. So then we, and it was like a suite. So there was like a common seating area and then uh, six rooms. And there were several of these suites around. So just so happened that all six of our characters were in the same, in the same suite area. And so we kind of got to know each other that way. Yeah, we spent the 11 days um, just kind of like talking to one another, learning about each other. Like, what are you going to do in these 11 days? What, who are you buddy-buddied with? Who are you kind of uncertain with? You know, we just, it was like the character development is, the beginning of the character development is what happened in those 11 days. And we also kind of reached a, reached the consensus that we could sell our services a little bit more expensively if we banded together as a group instead of individuals. Right. So, uh, so let's talk about the characters that we met. Uh, so the first one that I had on my list is Portia. Uh, I got the impression, uh, it was a half elven drow, but you said full drow. I, I, yes, from the research I've done, um, I think the the drow were like created. I could be wrong. Please don't hold me to that. But the drow were like loyal to the giants, and um, kind of like, and that's just kind of like how they became. So they're not very common, um, but they are around. And I I I just think they're their own like species. And this is the character that. Uh, myself as a player that I know the least about because the, um, Portia is an artificer. And yes. so I'm going to be very interested at the way, I, the way that Teddy kind of explained it a little bit was they create uh, mechanical slash magical items to enhance their abilities. So I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out. I've never seen an artificer played before and I've done no research on them. So, because I want to be, sur- I want to be surprised. Yeah, Portia will be the enigma of the group, to at least to me, because I don't know how an artifice- artificer works. Um, the only thing I know is their like ranged magical damage. So, and that's just from the one thing I glanced while searching up Paladin for my character. Um, so I, I really don't know what they do, what they're like. Or anything they're just a mystery to me and and i like that because it reminds me so i've been playing since i was eight so that's 45 years and uh the first time that i sat down at a session i obviously fighters okay you get the idea they wear armor they swing swords magic users i was like okay is that like merlin and then the dm described the first spell that i ever saw cast as a player magic missile went out and busted up a skeleton that we were fighting. And I'm like, Oh man, that's cool. But I knew nothing about magic users. So I'm like, why weren't you casting those spells all over the place? I mean, you you're like the most powerful character in the party. I'm like, well, you can only do it a certain number of times. And so that kind of discovery is fun for me as a player. So anyway, so let's go on. The next one that I have written down is Prue, a tiefling ranger. Yes. So, uh, impressions. So we've, we've obviously played with Rangers before. So, uh, they're, uh, typically, uh, outdoors 
uh, oriented like characters, yeah. yeah, survival experts, trackers, that sort of thing. Um, that's the, at least that's the stereotype. We don't necessarily know how uh, Prue will be played. But, uh, so Prue was the character that actually lived in Stormreach prior, correct? Uh, no, that was... Oh, was it Portia? Oh, that's right, because Portia had the shop. Yes. Okay, so, uh, and both Portia and Prue are played with accents, but I don't know if the players are adding accents or if that, or if that's their normal speaking voice, because I, I haven't paid enough attention. I, I think from the one session we've had is I think Prue is naturally British or in the area and Portia is putting on a British accent. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll take your guidance for that because I, like I said, I didn't pay enough attention. I just, uh, appreciated the, the, the accents in the game. So the next one is Winifred, which is a changeling rogue. Never played with a changeling before played with tons of rogues, but never a changeling character before. So what do you think there? Uh, certainly is going to be a very interesting character. Um, as a changeling, from what I know, they can be whoever or whatever they want. Um, and as of right now, he's he is a gentleman's gentleman, is Winifred. Yes. Um, so maybe he'll stay that way for now. Maybe the next adventure we'll see Wilhelmina. I don't know. That's like the that's like the ultimate in infiltrators. You can just you know change who you are and be yeah. somebody else to get into places. And also the player made it well known to us that um Winifred is not a um like cash grabbing, you know, um heisting type of rogue. It's more infiltration and intrigue and politi- po- political stuff that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, deception based. Yeah, exactly, deception based. So then um, we come to Lars, a hoblop, let's say it again, hobgoblin bard. Um, never have seen a hobgoblin played, uh, and only a very few bards. I, I like how he introduced his character as the dumb bitch subclass. <laughs> That's right, the dumb bitch subclass of he he prides himself on having two brain cells that rarely interact with one another and um that's you know what that's tough to role play yeah because well okay let me back up and say it's tough for me to role play because one of the things that i enjoy doing with characters is i may not be any good at it but i enjoy figuring out puzzles and you know, trying to adhere to some sort of tactics on a battlefield and that sort of thing. So it's, it's tough for me to give my character a intelligence below at least average, because then I feel like I'm not playing my character when I'm doing those things. So it's, yes. it's, for me, it would be tough to role play. It's, I, I would feel like it would be for Lars as well. Yeah, it's always frustrating when you as a player know something or can figure out something. Yes. But then you... With the, but then when you want to RP as your character, your character could have not a single clue in the world. They could be blissfully ignorant for all you care. And it's just very frustrating. It's like, oh, you got to put like the orange orb in the 
orange socket and your character's like, well, maybe we put the orange orb in the green socket. <laughs> so, uh, yep, I've definitely had characters that should have had padded shoulder pads on each shoulder so that when their head was going back and forth because they just didn't know stuff, they wouldn't hurt themselves. Um, yeah. Okay, so then let's talk about your character for a minute. So you're playing a character called Tabane, Half-Elven, and Paladin. So first time for the uh, race and the class for you. Yes. Um, I've always been intrigued by the Paladin class. In many RPGs that I play, I I like to be like the damage dealer and the frontliners, but I also like to heal people. Um, and I feel like the Paladin just kind of fits right into that role pretty good. Um, so I, and there's a lot of mechanics to the paladin, um, because they're like a, there's somewhat of a spellcaster, not a full fledged spellcaster. So I've been trying to dip my toes more into the spellcasting, you know, get a little bit more familiar with it. Um, so this is going to be more of like a mechanical challenge to me than an RP challenge. Yeah, because like you said, this is your first time with a character, so. Um, the only thing that I heard about paladins is that you need to be using, um, oh, it's some sort of a, a melee boost that you get. I forget what they're Divine called. Smite. What is it? Divine smite. Divine. Yeah. Oh, okay. So as in general, they just say that paladins use up their magic slots a lot using smites, different kinds of smites. Yes. So, uh, and, and at some point you get some sort of a aura of protection that extends to your party members too. I believe I get aura of protection and aura of courage if we get that high or flop the two. I don't, which I don't remember which one comes first. Well, that'll be pretty cool. Um, so I obviously have dealt with paladins in uh, second edition. So I'm familiar with the archetype where they say, okay, they're they're usually uh, lawfully and in second edition they were required to remain lawfully good aligned. That's not yeah. necessarily the case in fifth edition, but no. Um, but so yeah, they were like the holy knights, you know, and so that's um, it'll be interesting to. I won't I won't have you disclose your alignment. That's uh, just in case that that may be a. A discovery thing for characters later on. And then I'm playing Keelan, a half-elven cleric. Um, and it's, I, I play clerics often. I would say I probably play uh, magic-using characters more than non-magic-using characters. Probably more full casters than partial casters, too. But I do like clerics. I think they're very versatile. And you know, they essentially can cast any spell in the book as long as they have a patron that will allow it and also the um, you know that spell prepared for the day so unlike wizards who need to have you know certain things written in their books or whatnot so uh, and she is a, um, a cleric of a healing domain a life domain cleric so a lot of the healing that I would say that uh, Tabane is going to have to do would probably be as if Keelan actually goes down because Keelan, as, at least as her levels increase, should be able to be quite a healing machine for the party. As long as you can keep me on my feet, I should be able to 
hopefully keep the rest of the party on theirs. Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, a mechanical challenge for me to, uh, like, balance my my smites and my lay on hands and, you know, just kind of, like, instead of just, like, as a rogue that I've been playing for a while now, it's just kind of, like, come in, stab, sneak attack, then, like, disengage and, like, go off and just kind of do, like, the burst damage. Now I'm going to be, like, a frontline tank. Yep. Uh, and and like a pseudo healer, so it's it's gonna be is gonna be interesting, especially since I have tailored her to be like the face of the party with a high charisma, and charisma is my spell DC, and it's gonna be I I, I made her to be a leader of sorts, and I myself am not a leader, so it's gonna be also a challenge to RP as a party face. Um. Yeah, it should be fun though. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what the RP is all about, right? Stepping outside and and doing things yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily do in your life, just uh, um, you know, exploratory. Yeah, I'm definitely stepping out of the boundaries of my comfort zone here with the character and with my own bounds. It's going to be quite a challenge for me to get used to this and find the footing, and especially in the beginning, like. The first couple of characters I played in D&D, I knew what I wanted. I had a vision. This character, I knew nothing. I had nothing. And that's <laughs> why I did so much research into the world is just to try and gain inspiration for a character. Yeah, and um, on that topic, you uh, uh, Teddy asked us to supply backstories so that he could kind of weave them into the game. And if um, if they were good enough, then we got to take uh, a, a bonus feat at first level, which is huge. That's really powerful. Yeah. And the research that you did on yours was very evident. You incorporated a lot of the world elements into your backstory. I did. I spent a good two days research, and on the third day I spent writing my backstory. And it was – I firmly rooted myself in um, – Oh, I forgot the name of it. Val and Valinar is where I'm from. Yeah. I can't remember the continent. Corvair. There Corvair. It is. Yeah. Um, and I like any significant event that happened, I tried to include neighboring nations, um, even a little bit into uh the nation I was in is more of a mercenary band, so I came from like a war band instead of like a structured military. Um it, it was just I, I firmly rooted myself and that character in the world and then immediately we're leaving that world to go to a completely different place. <laughs> yeah. But it still gives you roots. I mean, you're, you yeah. know, it gives you where you came from. My story was uh, much less involved. Well, let me put it a different way was not at all involved with the history of this world. It was just a uh, kind of a get to know Keelan where she came from as far as uh, growing up through the church, that sort of thing. And the church is actually who sent her on this mission. So that's her, that's her whole reason for being here. So it, it was background for her, but, and gave, uh, gave Teddy some important characters to pull from in her background, Hannah being the most important of them. And then, uh, but that was, yeah, your, the, the research that you did was pretty impressive. So, 
I probably could have read that rather than the background stuff and still been okay with uh, knowing the world. Um, I I tried to include as much as possible. There's still a lot left out because there's just so much information to read upon. Like the Dragon Mark houses are so relevant, and I didn't even barely touch anything on the Dragon Mark houses, and they're they're kind of important to Corvair. So let's let's go through one thing that we really enjoyed about session zero when we actually got to start playing. What was your favorite thing? Um, my favorite thing is probably the, the shyness of the party. I know that sounds weird, but like we're all getting to know each other. So all of us are kind of like, cautious of each other but we're still friendly so and as time you know like as time goes on we'll get to know each other and we'll become more of a unit but at first you're just like i don't know who these people are (laughs) but yet i'm in a dormitory with them for 11 days now i'm grouped up with them and we're sent on this adventure it's like well maybe i should start to get to know these people yeah and uh, so that is it's always you know everything's new for everybody I mean, obviously, you and I know one another. A few of the other players know one another, but we don't know each other. So it was funny that uh, on on your topic, uh, Teddy knew that no one wanted to take lead because all of our characters literally just stood there while somebody had asked us a question and no one would answer it. Yeah. And he, so, so the uh, character he was playing was just like, "All right, well, you can just all stand there and stare at me if you want to." <laughs> yeah, there was there's multiple characters that were just like, you guys going to say anything or are you just going to keep looking at me? And it was just like, OK, well, well um, I saw you a, you a couple times were trying to like speak up and be like, hey, how are you doing? I'm Keelan or whatever. And everyone else is just like, I'm just kind of twiddling my thumbs, just kind of I'm, I'm just boarding the ship being being myself, you know. Well, so, and, and part, so I will say that, uh, Winifred's personality, uh, really lends himself or itself as a changeling, um, to being, you know, withdrawn and not like being gregarious and memorable and that sort of thing. And is it, is it Prue that's the, uh, former, I say cop. Uh, but it, like, uh, works city, watch. city, city watch. Yeah. So that's right. Isn't it? Prue was yes. part of the city watch. So once again, you know, an investigative personality, maybe the character would actually be that way themselves. Uh, so I, I got to give at least a couple of the, the, the characters a pass for, uh, for shyness. Maybe it's not shyness. Maybe it's in character. Right. Yeah. So, uh, my favorite thing actually was, uh, it, it was annoying for me and it was the background music. It, I thought it was really immersive. Uh-huh. You know, when we were, when we were at the, at the ports there, you could hear gulls and you could hear lapping waves and all that kind of thing. And, and maybe even some things in the background that you may not have heard, but it was still a really cool ad. 
But the reason it was annoying was because it was so loud and I couldn't hear some of the other players over it. And after the end of the session, one of the players kindly told me how to turn it down. So now I'm sure I will enjoy it much more. So I've never played with that sort of immersion before. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, the background music is a nice addition. So let's go over real quickly. Um, the um, So we, we already went through the party composition. We have an artificer, a ranger, a rogue, a bard, a paladin, and a cleric. So why don't you and I rate, you want to do five stars or ten stars? I think five is easier. Okay, so five-star rating on um, four categories. First, how about tankiness? For for a six-player party with a five-star rating, how tanky do you think we are? I'm going to put this at a three. Okay. Middle of the road. Um, I think you and I are going to be quite fine in the front lines. At least early um, on, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how squishy the other characters will be. Um, I know if you can build yourself and you want to have high AC, you can. But like I, like we said before, Artificer, no idea what they want. Yeah. Ranger, I think they'll be fine. The Bard and the Rogue, I, I think they have low-ish AC, but it's not, it's not like a spellcaster low AC. So oh sure. I, yeah. I think we'll be I think we'll be fine. So um I'm actually going to start out and give us a four for tankiness because you and I both have chain and shield. So a third of our party is uh at least AC what is it, eighteen that we have? Eighteen is what I have, yeah. Yeah, eighteen. So that's not terrible for a first level party. And the and just as you said, you know we don't we're not running with a wizard that can't wear armor, so I think everyone else at least has a little, and we have two characters that have basically the max for starting. I mean, Dex might get us a little farther. I don't know, um, but for heavy armors, I think that we're doing pretty well so far. Mm-hmm. All right. So how about damage? On R5 scale, what do you say? Damage, I'm going to give this a half point, but it's a 4.5. Really? Um, yes. I okay. think we're going to be quite solid with damage. And it's just going to get better the higher we go. Like some people, like a rogue will start out with baby sneak attacks. Um, second level, I'll get my divine smites. So, like, in the beginning, we might be a little on the shorthand side. Okay, but that's where we are right now. And so where we are right now, you're saying we're okay. a four and a half. Okay, well, then, if if we're saying right now, I'm going to say a four. Okay. But it will get better. Okay. Well, yeah, I, uh, I will definitely agree that it's going to get better. Um, so, because I don't know the Artificer at all. Um, I would say the ranger is going to put in average damage. I would say that the rogue is going to have the baby sneak attacks, like you said. So, you know, at least average, maybe a little better than average damage. You're probably going to be tearing stuff up. I'm average damage. Um, so 
because I don't know about the artificer and because I know that we don't have what I call an artillery platform, you know, someone who's going to be casting magic missiles and, um, you know, fireball, obviously we're not level for fireball, but you know what I'm talking about? Big Mm -hmm. crowd control spells. Um, since we don't have like a dedicated wizard in that, I'm going to say a three. I'm certainly not saying that your assessment is incorrect because I just don't know, but because I don't see that one ability in the party, I'm, I'm going to say a three. I think the bard is going to surprise us. Okay. And in what way? Um, from the introductions, uh, like he's going to be more utility than anything. And he said it here, he, like Teddy said, he was going to be more support. So I think he's going to probably give us like bardic inspiration or, you know, just some of these useful things just to give us a little bit slight more of an edge. I don't know bards all that well, so I don't know what they get, but I I have a feeling that he's going to prove quite useful. And I'm going to say that probably our three frontliners, kind of going back to tanking, and, and this relates to damage, though. Probably you, me, and I'm going to say Prue? The Ranger? Prue has a heavy crossbow, so I don't know if she will be up front and that could be um maybe that's maybe that's the intention is to make Prue more of a ranged asset uh it'll be interesting to see our first fight how how it pans out uh okay so let's go on to category three for support um what ranking would you give the support offered by the mix of character classes that we have i'm gonna say a four as well Okay. We've got at least half of the party is some form of a support character. Yep. And I would agree. I, I would also say it's a four. Um, okay, so now the one that is difficult to kind of come up with a just a solid, you know, explanation for utility. How much do you think, how diverse and... Uh, do you think our party is? How well do you think that we're going to be able to respond as these character classes to different things that hit us? Um, I honestly, this one's hard. I I don't know. I'm gonna say a three mainly because there's a lot of unknowns. Um, especially since we don't know the characters very well, we could be. For all I know, we could be really good in like talking our way out of things or talking our way into things. But, you know, like the average, the other stuff like acrobatics or like investigating and stuff like that, we might just fall short on. Yeah, I, I could buy that. I am going to say a four, though. And the only reason I'm not saying a five is because we don't have a dedicated wizard or something like that. Again. But we have an artificer that can create, you know, mechanical and magical items, a ranger that should be able to help us outdoors, a rogue that should be able to get into places, unlock doors, you know, do do all the uh, stealthy stuff. And bards, are they not like the king of all utility characters? 
Yeah. So that's, uh, and as as a cleric, I'm going to be able to choose amongst a diverse group of spells. Not so much damaging uh, until, you know, I at least get into a little bit higher level, but still a fairly diverse group of spells. And then as a paladin, you're not just hack and slash. You've got some utility about you too. So uh, I'm going to say a four, and if we had a if we had a dedicated uh, caster of wizard spells in there, I would probably say a five. I think that this is a good, really, really good mix. Okay. All right, so uh, let's very quickly go over the story so far. Uh, We've kind of touched on this, so I don't want to spend a ton of time with it, but essentially our characters were uh, given notice that this this opportunity was available. We all loaded up on the ship and uh, sailed to Stormreach, had our 11 days together when we debarked the ship, there was someone at the docks waiting for us that essentially said that hailed us as well-known adventurers. And we, so two things flashed through my mind. First of all, they don't know who they're talking to because we're not well-known adventurers. We may have some well-known characters in the party for other reasons, but not adventuring or two, this is the the same shtick they give everybody that gets off the boat. And I went with number two and I was wrong. (laughs) So, uh, and we found that out because then we were, uh, ushered to a building deeper into the city and we met with the dwarf. What's his name? Um, um, it's, um, yeah, I'm there too. Okay, so essentially he's the head of the city guard though, right? Yes. And he's one of the founders of Stormreach. Yes. The last living founder of Stormreach. And he came in and essentially just short stroked all of us. He basically did not give anyone a chance to speak, threw down a sack of 500 gold pieces, told us that uh, giants had attacked the city. One of the boulders that they lobbed opened up a sinkhole to an older ruin underneath. They had sent a group in to, or at least a few people in to investigate, and they hadn't come back. We are to go find them, bring them back, or at least come back and tell them what happened. Here's your 500 gold. I'm out of here. And then he left. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and the the one character party member that did decide to speak he just kind of like i don't remember exactly what it is i just assumed like he put up his hand and just continued right on speaking yeah just completely talked over us didn't want to hear a word we had to say and didn't give us much of a chance to so then as soon as he left uh the the woman appeared uh what was her name you don't remember names it's in my notes and my notes are on the other side of the room. So, uh, but anyway, uh, there was uh, another uh, NPC that appeared and kind of was, answered our questions, filled some things in, and ended up leaving us with a scroll of magic missile. So we have our first we have our first uh, magic item in the party, and and then as the session ended, we were all getting ready to go 
into this sinkhole. But as we were leaving this office, there was another group there that, and someone was talking to him like, no, you guys are supposed to be in that conference room right now. And all of the characters in that group had names similar to ours. So I think that my counterpart was Keyleth instead of Keelan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of them had like same first names, maybe a variation on the last name. So it's going to be interesting when we have to meet them. So this kind of had to light a fire under us because if they go for the same, you know, the same prize that we're going for, you know, is it going to get taken from us and give it to them or, you know, how is this going to work out? So, uh, we kind of have to hustle over to, to get our first mission started. So, what did you think about all of that as a as a hook to get us going? It it went from like, you know, let's get to know each other, calm, easy, whatever, to like, okay, you're in Stormreach. Bing bang boom 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 done. Yeah. It, it just, was very abrupt. It was it was very abrupt, very fast, very um immediate. It was just like you go from calm to okay, rushing. Yes. And um, yeah, absolutely. And and it was just for a first session. I mean, that's that's fine and everything, but it's just like holy cow, what what just <laughs> happened? And then that's kind of where we stopped. So and so like now our next session is going to be picking up from there, and hopefully it can be a little bit more controlled and a little bit more maintained. But it was just yeah, it went quick. But that's fine. Like I said, I um, a lot of times I think parties lag a little and i'm I, I told the other players i'm really bad at this my characters love the downtime and the rp between you know hack and slash adventures even more than the actual hack and slash adventure so i enjoy both aspects of the game but the rp and you know uh going on uh, character resupply trips and or shopping trips i guess as one of the players put it uh, I, I enjoy that stuff. World building, uh, you know, building my own house and drawing maps for it, that kind of thing. I, I, I enjoy that, that part of the game. So I just told everybody, make sure you nudge me if, uh, if I'm dragging things down because I'm perfectly happy to move on. <laughs> so, okay. So that's kind of the story so far. Oh, 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 oh I, I just, uh, I just remembered. So I just talked, we got like 500 gold and a magic scroll. So I know how we have split up magic items in games in the past and, and wealth. So I wanted to get your take what you think we're going to be able to do as wealth is pretty easy. If, if it was 600 gold, we'd all walk away with a hundred gold and that's that, uh, 500, I'm sure it's gonna be the same. You divide by six and off you go. Um, there may be taxes involved with a city or something like that, but essentially once all that, um, all that math is done. We're all going to get an equal cut of the wealth, is, is at least my feeling on it. Magic items are a different story, though. So um, I've, I've kind of played two different ways. The first way is that there is a pick list. All the characters rolled dice and said, okay, this is your spot on the pick list. And then the first time through the pick list... The person that rolled the highest gets the first pick of the accumulated magic items and so on and so forth. And then after that group of picks, person on the bottom rotates to the top or the person on the top rotates to the bottom, however you want to do it. And then it gets picked again. The other way is the group just kind of arbitrarily decides, hey, you know what? This is a long sword. The paladin needs this. Or 
So um, those two methods, or do you think there's going to be, you know, a, a different way of doing it? What's your take on it? Um, I like the arbitrariness of just who needs it gets it because it kind of like it's for the betterment of the party and it's not for the betterment of myself. Right. Um, and we've been kind of playing like that in our past games and it's, it's worked out quite fine. Um, but a pick list is kind of a little bit more structured and orderly and, you know, the more I think about it, the more I kind of just want to be like for the betterment of the party. I, I'd be okay with the pick list, but I just don't want it to be like, Oh, this person picked the long sword. Now I got to spend 500 or thousand of my own gold to buy it off of them. Yeah. Instead of just, you so, know, like, like you said, paladin long sword yeah. equals need. And, so, and I'm okay doing it either any way that the rest of the party wants to do it. I, my preference is actually pick list and, and, but especially pick list if experience points are involved, if, because we've, we've also done advancement two different ways there, you can earn experience points. And as your character hits a certain number, you go up a level. The other way is once the party has accomplished a certain number of, uh, you know, events or whatever, the party goes up a level. Well, magic items give you experience points. So if we are going on an experience point-based system, and I don't know which we're doing, then I would like, as a player, the ability to pick a magic item that I think will give me more experience points than another, instead of everything being assigned to one character, they go up a level, and I'm stuck down at a level because I wasn't able to pick that item. So, and the other part of it is the role play. Okay, so I think that your magic sword is going to be more experience points for my character than picking this potion of healing. So I take the magic sword, and then you have to RP coming to my character and saying, hey, look, you can't even use a sword. I will give you 500 gold pieces and this potion to swap me, you know. And then that's that's an RP opportunity. So I like the pick list more, but I certainly understand and would have no objections if that's the if if we went the other direction. Um, but that's why I like the the pick list is that way you can your character can pick and choose which items. And sometimes in past games where we had a pick list, I would specifically choose something that I absolutely knew one of the other characters wanted in order to barter it to them whether it was for something that they already had that I wanted or for a service or for their next pick in the pick list or, you know, whatever it was, uh, it was just a negotiation, but like I said, don't care either way. I just, uh, I just wanted to know how you thought we would do things. I'm lean. I'm leaning and hoping for the arbitrary betterment of the party. Um, he said it is beginner friendly and I think a pick list might be a little too advanced, but you know, after a couple sessions, you you can pick up, you can pick on yeah pick up on a pick list pretty soon. So the the and just real quick the way that we usually ran the uh, the pick lists, uh, temporary magic items like potions like scrolls, wands that only had like you know just a few charges in them or something, 
those things would be arbitrarily handed out and utilized during the adventure. And then once the adventure was over, whatever items remained were what was picked. So uh, it's almost a hybrid. You get to use, you know, the people that can use those things get to use them until it's time to pick, but then they may go to someone else, which was good because that didn't usually leave a lot of temporary magic items in the mix. Most of them were permanent, like swords or armor or, you know, gauntlets of whatever. So... Anyway, like I said, don't care either way. Just wanted to, just wanted to pick your brain on what you thought. So, um, and that's uh, we we've run about an hour on this. Uh, we'd like to normally keep things to around a half hour, but we had a lot of introduction to cover. Yeah. So I thought we would be quicker the second time around. Yeah, <laughs> actually, we I think we went a little longer. So, uh, anything else that you need to talk about? No, I'm all fresh out of topics. All right. Well, hey, so I just have to say that, uh, first of all, it's great playing games with you. And second of all, um, I think that we're going to have a lot of fun doing this. So, um, Kat, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you. I look forward to future sessions. All right. Well, if uh, so, just real quick to all of the players in Teddy's game and Teddy, if you guys are interested Uh, We would love to have you as guests on here to kind of share your opinions, too. It just doesn't have to be me and Kat. And we will talk to you all later. Talk to you later, Kat. Bye-bye.